This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I'm the host of the podcast and the editor-in-chief of the Pitch, Mr. Brock Wilbur. How is everybody doing out there? I uh, hope you're having a fabulous time. Uh, we are heading into the Thanksgiving break. I'm actually recording this on our deadline day as we uh, prepare to send the next magazine off to press, which is usually just a hellscape and once again is this time. I think every time we think that we're working ahead and like this will be the time that it goes easy and Everything pops up at the last second. Something always goes horrifically wrong. Um, for me, this time, a health issue popped up and I disappeared for a whole day that I was scheduling on having and uh, just wasn't there. My team here is amazing and great at taking care of what we're doing. Um, the pitch is starting to expand and we're starting to look at hiring more people here. And the more people that are here, the less worried I am about everything falling apart at the last minute, which is pretty nice. Um, this week, I got a chance to interview Paul Reiser. Uh, the interview is up on our website. Uh, it was supposed to be 10 minutes, and then I spoke to the Mad About You actor for nearly an hour until he was like, I got to go hang out with my son. And I was like, totally get it. The only question I didn't get a chance to ask him was what his favorite part of filming Aliens was. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. That one was just for me and not knowing that can be fine forever. Anyway, uh, as we head into the holiday, I hope that you all take some time, uh, some time for yourselves to take a little step back, turn off the phone, turn off the laptop, maybe even turn off the TV, just sit and be. I've been doing a lot of reading books lately, especially at night, uh, and I haven't done unplugs like that in a while, and I haven't finished books in a while. And uh, while some of the books I'm reading are still just about journalism or current events or the previous president or the many, many crimes of Facebook, uh, which doesn't sound like the escapism that it should be, I don't know. It's been really nice. So... Here's hoping that everybody takes care of themselves heading into the holiday coming up. Um, on and off, as just a bit of housekeeping, uh, now through the end of the year, there's going to be a couple of weeks where you might not see a lot coming from us. That might be no podcasts. Uh, that might be that you see a, a couple fewer newsletters and a little bit less content on the website. We're going to be powering through till at least mid-December, but... Uh, those last two weeks of December, just a heads up, I think we're taking some recovery time around here because we have had a real two-year stint, and it is time for whatever the closest thing to a vacation is. I'm not sure that a vacation is really hanging out with your family because sometimes that, that takes more than work. The, the work of emotional labor uh, is is preferable, I think, at the end of the day to the work of work, but uh, we're still here, we're still working, we're doing our best, uh, and we are going to, in a bit, uh, be doing a bit of a rest up <laughs> to make sure that we hit the ground running at the start of January to 
be the best publication we can possibly be. Anyway, we have a great episode of the show today. I get to interview Adam Caton Holland, uh, who you might know from uh, several TV shows, from his touring stand-up, from his many albums, or from his just devastating book about losing his sister to suicide. Um, yeah, right. There's a spectrum there of many things. Uh, he is one of my favorite comedians working today. He's coming to Kansas City in a couple of weeks. I am so goddamn thrilled to be talking to him. Uh, we also have Nick's Music Corner, as per always. But first up, Jason, our friend from Stolen Dress Entertainment, is reading Liz Cook's recent magazine story about The Fix. Here you go. The Fix is In, Carnivore-Confusing Cuisine Courtesy 31st and Cherry, by Liz Cook. I've been thinking about that old joke about vegans. You know the one. It might as well be the only one, because I've heard it about as many times as the national anthem. Question. How can you tell if someone's a vegan? Answer. Don't worry. They'll tell you. My USDA prime beef with the joke isn't that it's hacky and predictable, though it is, to be clear, both of those things. It's that it's just not accurate. Vegan diets are growing in popularity, but the branding's gotten stealthier. When The Fix opened at 31st and Cherry in January 2020, vegan was noticeably absent from the menu even though the restaurant served no animal products. A few months later, the sisters behind food truck Maddie's Vegan Eats dropped vegan from their name to open a Brookside brick and mortar, Maddie's Foods. No one seems to want to be vegan anymore. If they take a label at all, it's plant-based. It's intentional, says The Fix's owner, Dave Swartz. Swartz has been a fixture in the local animal rights community for a while. He directs the nonprofit VegLife KC, as well as VegFest KC, the annual, until COVID-19, plant-based food and lifestyle festival. I don't consider The Fix a vegan restaurant, just a restaurant that serves comfort food. The idea is for people to come in and not feel like they're doing something that's different. To be fair to Swartz, some of the dishes at The Fix might credibly confuse a carnivore, The biscuit in my half-order of biscuits and gravy, $5, $10 for a full order, was overly dense, but the caramel-colored gravy was silky and peppery. I didn't miss a sausage. Still, I don't recommend adding the faux sausage crumbles for $1, which provided minimal flavor and the texture of wet popcorn. The fried chicken sandwich I tried, $16, was a dead ringer for an engineered fast-food chicken patty. At the fix, the non-chicken is made in-house from a blend of wheat, gluten, and tofu, and fried until the craggy breading takes on an auditory crunch. You can order it coated in barbecue or buffalo sauce, and I recommend the latter. The mild, tangy buffalo sauce provides a welcome base for the restaurant's dill-heavy house ranch and thick, snappy pickle slices. And though the price tag is a little high, the sandwich is enormous and comes with a treasure hoard of salty house-cut fries. It's a strong contender in the citywide fried chicken sandwich wars, vegan or no. Still, I wondered how many vegan diners would be aware, just from a quick scan of the fix's menu, that they could actually eat here. The first ingredient listed in the fried breakfast burrito, $15, was meat, quickly followed by queso and sour cream. The meat in my burrito was Beyond Meat Burger Crumbles, the queso a gooey cashew sauce, but I only know that because I called Swartz to ask. That burrito was frustratingly close to perfection. It looked incredible, because of course it did. It was a planet-sized chimichanga frosted with cashew cheese but the bean and tofu egg filling was bland, as were the accompanying sides of fried potatoes and dirty rice. The textures were spot on. The dish didn't need anything more than salt, but it needed it everywhere. Swartz's version of comfort food leans heavily on the fry basket, and most of the fried sides and starters are well executed. The jalapeno poppers, $11, aren't a perfect dupe for the cream cheese stuffed original, but are delicious in their own right. 
Each order comes with three whole mutant jalapenos the size of a corn dog and breaded like one. The house-made almond cheese filling tasted less like a cheese and more like a toothy puree, but it provided a neutral fatty balance to the pepper's heat. The breaded onion rings, $7, might not win many points for innovation, but they were battered with restraint and seasoned without it. My ideal combination. For an upcharge, you can swap them out for the french fries that come standard with many sandwiches. You should. Not everything here is fried, but maybe it should be. I had high hopes for the avocado BLT, $12, and it tasted great, but the textures faltered. The smoked tofu pinch hitting for bacon was thick and soft. The untoasted Kaiser roll was also thick and soft. And the slippery combo of avocado, tomato, and Thousand Island dressing quickly deconstructed the sandwich into its constituent parts. The well-traveled dog, $12, a rotating special, was less messy, even though the plant-based sausage had been split in half and filled with every condiment in the kitchen. Honey mustard, sauerkraut, jalapenos, tomato, green bell pepper, onion, cilantro. That combo worked, and the plating was fun, though the Field Roast brand sausage didn't bring much flavor to the party. The fix is counter service right now, and doesn't serve alcohol, but does have a small menu of coffee drinks, jarritos, and rotating aguas frescas. I like the Jamaica tea, $4, an iced hibiscus drink with the cocky color and acerbic edge of fresh cranberry juice. You could pass a leisurely evening here just sipping coffee and people watching at one of the sunny sidewalk tables. Inside, the dining room is sunny and elegant, combining modern design touches, like a live-edge wood countertop, with original tile work from the building's former life as a drugstore. It's also rimmed with plants, which here come off less like a millennial design trope and more like a vegan answer to steakhouses with antlers on the walls. The fix's pleasant vibes and southern fried comforts should appeal to vegans and veganism joke-tellers alike. The restaurant is a worthwhile addition to the city's growing, and in my view still underdeveloped, plant-based dining scene. But in an era of increased consciousness about food and food systems, the menu's lack of plant-based specificity, and aversion to consumer-friendly labels, feels odd. Swartz told me by phone that he likes using easy-to-find products, field roast cheese slices, beyond burger patties, brands people can grab at the store. But those brands aren't listed on the menu, so I'm not sure diners will make the connection. Most people don't want to call restaurants to find out what's in their food. Most people don't want to call anyone, period. But hey, if the stealth approach convinces a few skeptics that meat isn't mandatory, that's probably a net win, at least from the perspective of promoting animal rights and halting climate change. We've got a lot of work to do when it comes to improving a food system and climate altered by decades of agricultural and industrial consolidation and exploitative labor practices. There's no quick fix. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the best part of every week, it's Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. On Tuesday, I got both a COVID booster and a flu shot, so I am riding high with a supremely loopy brain right now. Therefore, it seemed like a really solid idea to get super weird and let things just kind of like vibe out. To that end, it seems that Sun Eaters saw into the future and knew exactly what I needed when they recorded their most recent album, Sun Eaters 11, It's the Future, and released it at the beginning of the month. It's some, like, dark, ambient electronic music veering between intense workouts and, like, really relaxed, psyched-out jams. This particular track that I'm going to share with you all, number three, is not only the shortest piece on It's the Future, but it's also the chillest, which is exactly what your very easily distracted journalist needs at this moment. Sun Eaters 11, It's the Future, is out now from Lotus Pool Records, and you can find that digitally or on compact disc at lotuspool.com. Here's number three.
Right. So I already gushed about him at the start of the show. This is Adam Caton Holland. I, I'm just always thrilled to get a couple minutes to check in with one of America's best good boys. Here's that interview. Adam, welcome to the show. Would you introduce yourself to the audience? My name is Adam Caton Holland. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I, uh, it's nice to meet you, audience. What do you do, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> what does anyone do, Brock? I just try to get through the day, one, one foot in front of the other. Um, but if you must label me for tax purposes, I am a stand-up comedian and a writer. Um, I have other titles, but that's what I'll go with. And you write for the alternative paper in Denver, so you're your kind of family in that way? <laughs> I did. I did for five years. I was employed in the, what is it, Village Voice Media, or is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, yeah. I wrote for the Westward for five years. Uh, just recently wrote a story for them again, but it was the first time in 10 years. Um, so yeah, I'm well-versed in alt-weekly language, so it's nice to talk to the pitch audience. I was reading that one uh, earlier today, and, and of course, it made me feel feelings, so mad at you about that, as per usual. Sorry, I try to keep you... it pretty uh, pretty two-dimensional, but sometimes we bleed into 3D. <laughs> You're coming to Kansas City to do a couple of dates. Uh, when is that, and where is that? <laughs> Great question. I will answer it soon. Uh, December, December 10th, 10th and 11th at the Comedy Club of Kansas City. Does that sound right? Wonderful. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it could right. be so generic. It's just like a uh, comedy club of Kansas City, like I could, I guess. There's like three and they all have basically the same. So I usually have to double check. I'm like, why doesn't anyone go with something funny? Like it's uh, like Professor McYuckerton's. Exactly. That, that one that would make just as much sense. Uh, you have a new album out called Hot Takes. Uh, tell me the story about recording and releasing that one. I actually like this story. I think it's more interesting than most stories you'll hear about that question. Like I, during the pandemic, I just wrote a bunch of crap because if you didn't like, why are you doing comedy? If you didn't have new thoughts during like uh, a long overdue racial reckoning, a tumultuous political time and a pandemic and you're like, I got nothing new. It's still, still the same set from before I was, I'd be like, why are you do comedy? So I was writing a lot of It was of stuff. also entirely possible to sit in a room and experience no input whatsoever. So I, I do have, I do understand for those people. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But if you are a comedian, I feel like it's sort of your obligation to experience a little bit of input. Um, anyway, I wrote a bunch of stuff and was and performing it. And I just like, it has a shelf life. And I'm going back out now and touring. And, and some of these jokes are still very relevant, but I kind of wanted to be done with them. So I reached out to a cool label called 800 Pound Gorilla. And I was like, it, it's not a full hour, but it's like 40 minutes. So how about like a comedy EP? And they were like, totally, let's do it. And they put it out and I'm thrilled with it. And it's very of the moment. And I, I love it. You do mark the, you do the thing that uh, rarely happens in a stand-up album where you mark the very specific day that it happens in. And I've, I've talked to a number of comedians that are on tour right now who've been working on albums or are set to record things. And they've gone out of their way to create something that is, timeless in a way that they don't want to acknowledge anything from the last two years. And I find that sociopathic. So yours being on the other <laughs> end of the spectrum to be like, here is the day that we are talking about things. And certainly some of this, you get into the raid on the Capitol and, and QAnon. And like, there's this part of me that's 
uh, my first reaction was like, will that age poorly? And then I was like, no, because there's just been, it's had such a big effect. It's going to have to be taught in history books. I've, I've long worried that these last four or five years will eventually just need two different chapters in history books. They're like, here's what half of us were doing, but here's what the other half of us thought we were saying. And like QAnon definitely makes the history book now at this point, which is just, we're going to so look sad. so bad. We, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, but the thing is, Rock, it's like, I don't think there's going to be one history book moving forward. There'll be the history book you choose to learn from moving forward. So like the division of, there's not going to be a, here's one curriculum. It's going to be like, uh, it's like streaming TV shows. We're all watching different stuff. There's no longer three networks anymore. It's in ditto for education. Well, we're, we're both children of the Midwest. I certainly grew up with a biology book that our school district put some extra pages in so we'd know about creationism. I was just like, sure. Sure. watching our, our like 60 year old uh, gruff mountain man teacher just hold his head and be like you guys you read this one to yourselves I'm not going to read this out loud yeah, this is bullshit yeah. and you're like oh cool he's the first teacher that said bullshit in front of us and it was no, about that makes Jesus me, that makes me <laughs> feel good because it's like well this insanity has been going on for a while it's right. just kind of ratcheted up and in our face all the time but to your earlier question like I kind of agree with you I'm not knocking anybody who's like hey I've spent two years perfecting this album and and you know some people are doing netflix specials and stuff but i've always like taken my cues from music and in my mind if you've got a bunch of songs you like but it's not enough for an album put out an ep like right here's what i'm doing currently and i'm not afraid of the well drying up i just want to be on to the next thing and and so I, i've always just like put stuff out and this felt ready to go what are you most excited about about getting back on the road I'm not like on the road. I don't even know how to like quantify that anymore because I have two kids uh, age three and six months. So I go on the road if like the check is decent and I like the club, like straight up. And I've heard good things about this club. Uh, you're just in St. Louis, it. but then back to Denver. Like, yeah, you're I, I can tell that you're pinpointing where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri. That's it. And everyone knows that I'm trying to hit the pulse of comedy. No, that was a cool comedy festival and I wanted to do it. But yeah, I'm trying to do like in and out comedy assassin versus prolonging, you know, here's 20 days in a row. I just can't do it. It makes me sad to leave my little boys. Well, being back and doing the shows, having the album out, certainly that means that you've had to kill a lot of that material. So what is the new things that you are writing? Are you moving? Did you sort of put all your pandemic stuff in the box and now it's time to move on or... <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, certainly division in the United States is not going away. So that's something that is evergreen. Uh, so there's a lot of that. But there's also a lot of kids stuff slash my uh, shame at the fact that I've landed at kids stuff as a comedian. So it's like you get mad at yourself. I, I have jokes about how I didn't want to morph into this kid say the darndest thing guy. But like, here I am. Um, so I feel like you can take these subjects on as long as you're just like still maintaining a thread of who you were before uh so that the boys haven't beaten me down to a pulp quite yet old adam is still able to comment on what new adam is doing and uh and so that's my approach well with kids or without kids you're still a sexy lumberjack motherfucker what are those Thanks. dates again that you're going to be in town <laughs> december 10th and 11th is scorching friday and saturday in december in kc where can people follow your work and uh, pick up a copy of the album? 
Uh, the album's out everywhere. Just download it wherever you get your albums. It, it makes no difference to me, but you can Spotify, Apple, it's all out there. You can follow me on social media at Kayton Holland, C-A-Y-T-O-N-H-O-L-L-A-N-D. And seeing as this is a podcast, my friends and I have a podcast called The Grolic Saves the World. We're having a lot of fun on that pod. If you're into podcasts, comedy podcasts of, of three uh, 40-something dads ripping each other apart while trying to improve the world around them, boy, howdy, do we have a good one for you. It is. It, it does come with the highest Wilbur recommendation. Adam, thank you for talking to us today. Have a safe trip and see when you get out of here. I hope that's true, Brock. I hope this. I hope I will see you in person. Fabulous. See you soon, man. Cool. And that was Streetwise from the pitch in Kansas City. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Brock Wilbur. Uh, please consider becoming a member of what we're doing. Our membership program is about to change very dramatically. And people that are in on the ground floor, you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck in a way that um, – you have not previously things things around here are on the up and up and uh, i think you'll be surprised pleasantly by what's coming down the pipeline here uh otherwise just be kind to each other pitch in and make it through Bye bye This was a production of The Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.